I certainly am missing being together with you today. My name is Barbara Riock, and I was excited to receive this invitation to come and address the Moms Group. I just think you are the most amazing women, um, moms of little ones at home, perhaps older ones as well in your home, and I just enjoy encouraging you so very much. But a virus has disrupted the life that we knew, hasn't it? So not only are we all in isolation, but we are having to rely on digital devices to gather together. But let me say, I am truly very grateful for this opportunity and glad that you would take the time just to listen, because I know you're probably more fully engaged with your children now than you have been in a long time. If, if you weren't homeschooling before, you are now. And many of you are working from home in new and expanded roles. So families are spending more time together, and the fact that you would take a few minutes and listen is... Uh, is, is wonderful to know, and I do pray for your time to be expanded today as you listen. We're all processing the daily barrage of frightening statistics, and fear and anxiety have unsettled many of our hearts, especially our children. And how are we to help our children process their feelings? Um, that's what we're going to talk about, uh, because we need to think ahead, don't we? since we're all in the process of processing what's happening as well. Um, no one wants their child to be afraid. In an attempt to lessen their fears, though we are often tempted to take a simple way out, and that's to explain it all away. I know many times that was the quickest and easiest way for me to handle difficulties when my children were growing up. So I didn't do this perfectly. I often said, it'll be okay, don't worry. But, but that is um, the default when we're mothers to just say, don't worry, or it's nothing to be afraid of, that this virus isn't going to hurt us. Um, sometimes we even try to convince our children that if we just do this, we won't get that in a way to sort of give them a formula to, to work by. So um, what we do know is that it is better to let our kids talk, that that's going to be the way that we hear what is in their mind and heart and that we're able to speak God's truth into their way of thinking. But that does mean that they are going to ask hard questions and that we're going to be presented with things that we don't know how to answer. Um, so the hard questions are difficult, but our kids are curious, and God's going to use that curiosity to meet their deepest fears. The hard questions become opportunities to experience God's grace through his God through his gospel, to meet our children's deepest fears. Pastor Stephen, this last week in his letter to us, asked us to pray for open doors for the gospel. So could this pandemic be God's open door for the gospel in your home? 
The main point of the talk today is that God reaches your child's heart for Christ through the gospel. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would meet us here at this time. I pray that you will speak to our minds and hearts, that you will prepare and equip us to depend upon you to answer our child's questions that are really opportunities from you with gospel truth and that they might all in each one of our families love you and know you and follow you all the days of their life to be with you forever. We pray that you will speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So in my time with you today, I want to talk about three keys to addressing your child's hard questions with gospel-centered truth. But let me first clarify that term gospel-centered, and I think the scripture to really start with is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, where Paul tells us that he's delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's the simple gospel truth, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. And that truth expands into an understanding of our current circumstances, that our behavior can never be good enough to make us right with our Heavenly Father, who is holy and loving and just. But before we deserved it, God reached us with his grace and mercy. He forgives those who turn from sin and trust in Jesus. And we receive his mercy instead of punishment for sin because God's justice was met through the death of his dearly loved son on the cross. Jesus' resurrection power then gives us a new heart, a new mind, and new desires to live for God. And one day, with a resurrected body, we will reign with him in his eternal kingdom. So how do we keep the gospel central in our home with our children, especially through the hard questions that they are thinking or asking? And the first of the three keys is to start with God. Start with God in your own thinking, and as you are reasoning through their question as quickly as you can in order to say something that will speak truthfully into their circumstance, start with God. Say to yourself, what do I know to be true about God? Because that's the most important part to start. That's the first way to start with your children. God is invisible. Many of your young children, most of your young children are concrete thinkers. They, they need to have you know, everything they can see and feel and hear and touch but God is invisible, so you, you are, with your words, with your actions, with your metaphors, you are c- connecting those dots between what your child knows and God, who is invisible. So you are going to introduce them to the attributes of God 
God is loving. God is almighty. God is trustworthy. And God, and on and on, and God is all of who he is all the time. So let's say your children give you this question. If God is all-powerful, why can't he stop the coronavirus? In in an age-appropriate way, you will be able to answer this question for your child with gospel-centered truth. And you start with who God is. Your child knows that God is all-powerful. But they're somehow connecting that to the fact that if he was all-powerful, he should stop the coronavirus. So, so we're going to speak in to their question with truth about God. Think about what you know is true about God. God is truly all-powerful all the time. That is correct. He only had to speak, and creation sprang into being. And now he holds it all together. Nothing happens except through God and by his will. But God is not only all-powerful. Explain to your kids that God's power is super glued to his goodness. Remember, God is all of who he is all the time. And God is all-powerful. In his all-powerfulness, he is all goodness as well. And so God's power always works for his glory and for the good of his children. So sometimes we experience God's goodness in things like pizza and puppies and and Disneyland, but God's goodness also gives us opportunity to taste and see that the Lord is good. Parents do everything in our power for the good of our children, but no parent's power is limitless And yet God, our Father's infinite power, is limitless. He is always working to accomplish completely his every good purpose for us. So here's the conclusion that we we see from this, that this virus would not exist if our all-powerful God did not intend to use it for the good in the lives of his children. And so how might we as a family look for opportunities to show his goodness to our neighbor during this time? That might be an application that you could use. But let me just give you the scriptures that I drew from to piece together our The answer to our difficult question starts with what we know about God and then how we work down to our conclusion with applying what we know about God to our current circumstance. So we know that God holds everything together now that he spoke and creation sprang into being. That's John 1, 1 through 3 and Colossians 1, 15 through 17. We know that nothing happens except through God and by his will. That's Daniel 4, 35, and Isaiah 45, verse 9, and Romans 9, 20, and Job 1, 6 through 12. God's power always works for his glory and for the good of his children. That's Isaiah 6, 3, and Romans 8, 28. 
taste and see that the Lord is good. That's Psalm 34, 8 and Psalm 105. And so those might be scriptures that you use as a family to work together and think more deeply about this. I'd like to hear what other attributes you come up with and and something that you discovered in the discussion that you had with your family to answer this question, if God is all-powerful, why can't he stop the coronavirus? Can you see how a question like this, uh, in a gospel-centered, with a gospel-centered response, will anchor your child's faith and address their deepest fears? God will use these questions to transform your child's heart with the truth of the gospel. Here's our... Um, Key number two, connect the question to the gospel. Connect the question to the gospel. Remember, the gospel is God's one story of his Holy Spirit-empowered plan in Jesus Christ. And so as parents, we're pulling it all together for our kids, and their hard questions are an opportunity to do this. At Bethlehem, we have the blessing of, of having uh, such God, gospel-centered pastors teaching us the gospel truth week after week, and teachers in our children's classroom teaching them gospel-centered truth. And we can be thankful that our children, for the most part, are not being taught that Bible stories are isolated stories but that the Bible is one big story of God's Holy Spirit-empowered plan in Jesus Christ. The Bible is God's autobiography. Our, Our children probably are already aware of that. You won't have to convince them of that, but you are going to bring that concretely into their questions and you're going to be able to speak gospel truth into these hard questions that they have. Here's, here's question number two. If God really cares, why does he allow sickness and suffering? So at some level, whether your children are three years old or 13, 15 17, 19 years old, they are asking this question. If God really cares, why does he allow sickness and suffering? And so in an age-appropriate way, again, you are going to speak into it with truths about the gospel like this. When Adam and Eve believed Satan's lie, sin broke God's perfect world. Now earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods happen. And people get sick. Could anything be worse? Yes. Sin infects our hearts. Now, sin is not like catching a virus. Sin ruins our desire to love and obey God. The sin in our hearts tells God, go away. I don't want you. But God loves us. God does care for us. He cares for us more than we know. He cares for us in a deeper way than we could have ever imagined. He sent Jesus to suffer and die for sin in our place. Wicked men killed Jesus, but through his suffering and death on the cross, 
Jesus heals our hearts so we can love and trust God. We turn from our sin and we receive a forever life with Jesus. Oh, life on earth is a great gift, but it's only the beginning. Life in heaven is even better. It's true, death is frightening. It may frighten us, but Jesus is always with us. When God's children close our eyes in death, we will awaken to see him in heaven. At the time Jesus returns, he will give us new and glorious bodies like his that will never get sick, suffer, or ever die. Now the scriptures I used for that gospel-centered response to this question. Um, When Adam and Eve believed Satan's lie, that's Genesis 3, 1 through 5, and verses 14 and 15. But God loves us and cares more than we know. He sent Jesus to suffer and die for sin in our place. That's Isaiah 53. When we turn from our sin and receive a forever life with Jesus, that's John 17, 2 and 3. Life in heaven is even better. That's Philippians 1, 21. And we will awaken to see him in heaven. That's Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, along with John 14, verses 2 and 3. And he, his, um, he will give us new and glorious bodies like his that will never get sick, suffer, or ever die. That's Philippians 3, 20 and 21. And Revelation 21, verses 3 through 5. So you might use that as a Bible study with your family and look up those scriptures together and work together as a family to answer that question, perhaps. If God really cares, why does he allow sickness and suffering? And God will use that gospel truth to transform your children's hearts for his glory. So here is key number three. When you answer your children's hard questions, use gospel-centered application. What I mean from this is that we can apply truth to our circumstances in a way that causes our kids to either depend on themselves or depend on God. We want to learn how to apply the truth to our circumstances in a way that causes our kids to depend on God. And so that's where we're always going to be moving them when, when we're a- answering their questions or talking to them about their, their questions. It's the difference between duty and delight. Pastor John Piper talked with us about that often, that And the big difference is that we want our kids to depend on God. That's their delight. And that's his delight, God's delight, to respond to us um, and enter into that relationship with us to do what he asks us to do, which is impossible for us to do, but with his power working through us as we depend on him. He accomplishes more than we could ever ask or imagine. So here's another question. This is a complex question. But your children will ask this 
in one way, shape, or form. If God is sovereign, does it do any good to pray that we won't get COVID-19? If God is sovereign, does it do any good to pray that we won't get COVID-19? Well, remember where we start. We start with God. And so we tell our kids that prayer is talking to a person. Prayer is talking to the person of God. God is our Father. Now, parents may at times be too busy to listen, but God is never too busy to hear from his children. Our Father tells us to ask for all our needs and desires. And in fact, God's word says that there are some things we do not have because we do not ask God. God made his children part of his purposes. He uses our prayers to accomplish his purposes. That's part of his goodness as a father. He invites us into taking part in his plan, and he is pleased when we depend on him. And so what what we see here is that God really doesn't need to correct us to correct our children's prayers. We can show them that trust in God means we pray for God to protect us, just like we did on Saturday when we prayed through Psalm 27. Perhaps your family has also been praying through Psalm 91, and we can trust God to protect us as he has shown us in his word. God has also shown us in Romans 13 that we are to follow the directives of our local authorities. So we're going to also pray that God give us wisdom and insight to understand um, and follow our the instructions from our local authorities and that that respect will be a witness to our community and it will be uh, a safety net for those around us as well as us. And so we're, we're teaching our children in our prayers as we pray for God to protect us and we pray for insight and wisdom to follow the directives of our local authorities. We tell our children that our Father will keep us safe and we also tell them that the safest place of all is heaven. As our children learn to depend on their Heavenly Father, it's God who will guard their hearts and minds with the truth of His sovereign goodness. God is able to stop the coronavirus, and He holds His children close if they or someone they love suffers. And so going back over um, this understanding for a response, for if God is sovereign, Does it do any good to pray that we won't get COVID-19? These are some scriptures that I used. Our Father tells us to ask for all our needs and desires. That's Philippians 4, 6. God's word says there are some things we do not have because we do not ask. That's James 4, verses 2 and 3. God uses our prayers to accomplish his purposes. That's Isaiah 37, 21 and 22. And verse 26, he invites us into taking part in his plan. That's Genesis 18, verses 22 through 33. And Nehemiah 2, 
verses 4 through 8, and Acts 4, verses 23 through 31, and Acts 10, verses 31 through 33. He is pleased when we depend on him. That's Psalm 62, verse 8. I enjoyed referring to Wayne Grudem's systematic theology for part of this response in in the section on prayer, and perhaps you will find that helpful as well. But it's especially encouraging to know that God uses our prayers to accomplish his purposes. So assure you reassure your children of that truth and reassure them by your example of praying as i mentioned in using psalm 27 psalm 91 along with romans 13 to also speak of um give your children uh, how they can depend on concrete ways of how to depend on god for yes the truth and the wisdom for how to apply the truth in a particular situation. And so we want our children to depend on God. And remember that depending on God is basically asking God, asking God to meet our needs um, in a way to give him glory and to help our lives live according to his word and purposes. So here's your three keys. You start with God, you connect it to the gospel, and you apply the scriptures in a way to teach your child to depend on God, to ask him. And so who would have ever thought in the 21st century that an illness could inspire such fear throughout our entire world? And yet God is inviting your family daily to learn the sweetness of his love and care. You know, our children really have the same need that we all do to make their calling and election sure. So let's pray to recognize opportunities to lead our children closer to Christ through their hard questions. These unsettling days are God's training ground. So as you become a very good listener to your children, as you hear their hearts as well as their words, you will have an opportunity to teach and pray with your children so that God will replace their fear with a strong faith in Him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word and your Spirit and your Son. And I pray that you will sink these truths that we've pondered today down deep in our hearts. I pray that you will give families opportunities to go into your word and receive new insights and understanding into you in such a way that they can apply them directly to their circumstances. And most of all, Lord, I pray that with this truth, you will transform our fears into a peace that passes understanding, that takes us to that place of contentment in Christ that no longer struggles with the, the difficulties and challenges, but rests in Jesus, our Savior and the one who rescues us and delivers us and takes us safely home where we will 
live and reign with you forever. It's in his name that we ask these things and for the honor and glory of our great God. Amen.